Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 51. Sunday. I'm doing this on Sunday. My old, old dear friend Jesse is in town, also known as Liz Enthusiasm of the synth pop band Freeze Pop. She's one of my oldest friends. We lived together for off and on for 10 years in like five different apartments. She's down here visiting Jane and me and Emma. And to see one of our mutual favorite bands, Ride, who played a cat's cradle on Friday night. So, you know, I was a little busy yesterday, so I didn't really get around to doing the podcast, but uh, Jane's asleep right now, and Emma and Jesse went to the mall, so I've got some time, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this podcast, yeah, it's sweet, good having Jesse around, it's, it's, it's nice, I haven't seen her in a while, since our, our friend Christine's wedding is another old BU friend of ours from the very, very early 1990s. So, yeah, uh, life in Chatham County is doing pretty well. Uh, Emma went out with the ladies of the neighborhood last night, had some dinner and some drinks, and Jesse and I chilled at the house with Jane and put her to bed and sat out on the screened-in porch in the evening. It was lovely. There hasn't been any rain in weeks, though, and our grass is starting to die because we don't like to use water on the grass because it seems so wasteful. I have a dream of getting, like, a gray water system, like, using the pond to water the grass. I'm not even sure it's legal in this county. They have weird laws about water, but it just drives me crazy, so we we don't really use our sprinklers much. Um, usually there's enough rain, but there hasn't been rain in like three weeks, so it's it's a thing. I don't know what we're going to do. There was a big rainstorm supposed to happen on Friday night when we were at Ride, and it, it was lightning, lots of lightning in the sky when we were driving home, but I don't think it ever actually rained. So but it's just been beautiful, like 80s, low 90s, low 90s or high 80s for like weeks on end now, just endless. Dog days of summer, man. What do they call Indian summer, right? Yeah, breakfast in cemeteries. There's a Beat Happening box set out of vinyl, which is very exciting. I had the CD box set from about 15 years ago, but, you know, I'm very tempted to get this uh, vinyl box set. That was a big non sequitur. Um, Yeah, and the other reason I didn't get the podcast yesterday is we did the final major thing of my studio reorganization, and we got my guitars hung on the wall. It's a whole complicated thing, a mounting, a railing on the wall, and sort of even with the door frame and screwing it into the studs every 12 inches. Apparently this room has studs every 12 inches on the wall. My office used to be unfinished, so the wall between my office and the rest of the house is kind of like a sort of semi-exterior wall. It's got insulation in it, too. This room wasn't heated or, or anything before. It's got a separate mini split, so, you know... I guess they just did the slids a little, the studs a little bit closer together. It's pretty intense, but yeah, so that thing is very firmly on the wall now. So that was a big project yesterday. It took all three of us to do it, but it looks great. I'm looking out at my guitars. Uh, It holds six guitars. There's only five on there because I just ordered the sixth. I uh, have, well, you know, it's like my acoustic. They're all cheap. I got a cheap acoustic guitar, Taylor Big Baby, and uh, an old uh, P bass, Fender P bass I bought from a guy at the Barbarian Group. And then Emma's got two basses, uh, both hollow body, very Beatles y basses. She used to play the bass. So it's actually three basses. And then my good guitar, which is like a very good uh, jazz master. 
But uh, I've always wanted a Telecaster Thin Line, and they were just too expensive. And even then, later on in life, when I could afford it, I was like, well, I mean, I'm not a very good guitar player. I shouldn't be buying, like, a $2,000 guitar. So I finally just bought one of those Squire the Telecaster Thin Lines for $350. Bucks. It's a floor model. <laughs> so that's coming. That'll be here in, like, a week. I think it comes August 2nd. Yeah, that's Thursday. Cool. And then my parents get here on the 4th, which is very exciting. They'll be here for three weeks to help us watch Jane. And uh, my phone did not come because they canceled my order. They said that I was like some sort of gab or something and made too many orders of, of phones, which was not true. And so I had to reorder it when they seemed to be letting the second order go through. They said they would, which means that it was basically a mistake and they just didn't want to admit it. So I don't have the new iPhone until the 11th, but you know, those, those first 11 days of October are going to be very, very exciting. Since I last talked to you guys, I went to New York twice. Uh, first week was just a one night trip for uh, the board meeting, which went well. That was good. It's good to see uh, Bryce from uh, OATV and NDVC. Bryce Roberts, he's on our board. He came in. That was nice. And my old friend Derek, who I worked with at Tumblr, is a board advisor to us. So he comes to the board meetings too. So that was good to see him. Talked about Matt Mullenweg buying Tumblr. That was pretty interesting. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and then uh, that night, I did a double show thing. I went to Brooklyn Bazaar, which had moved, by the way. And it seems pretty sketchy now. I guess maybe the bizarre part is on a different floor, but the live room is like by itself upstairs, and it was like pretty sketchy. And it's not as nice as the old venue. And I was trying to get my friend Kristen to come with me. I was like, come on, you haven't been to Brooklyn Bazaar yet. You live in Brooklyn. You got to see it. It's beautiful. And then I'm really glad she didn't come because it was super sketchy. And Kem lab was opening and the whole crowd was like super sketchy and, <laughs> which i don't really usually say but it's just a bunch of old crusty gutter punks you know which are kind of my people but i don't know there's something weird about it and then pop lead itself and i was like okay you know i look these guys used to be my favorite live band in the world but and so much so that when they did their first reunion in 2005 i flew to london to see it at shepherd's bush empire but um, the main, one of the main guys, really the main guy in my mind has left the band quite some time ago. He is now a very well-regarded uh, soundtrack composer. He did like uh, Black Swan and all the Darren Aronofsky films and Moon. Uh, his name is Clint Mansell. Anyway, if you know his soundtrack work, he came from this band called Pop Lead Itself. Uh, and then, you know, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't as good. It's not as like polished and sophisticated. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, you know, the early Pop Lead Itself stuff, like uh, their Sig Sig Sputnik cover of Love Missile F-111 and, and Oh Grebo, I Think I Love You. Like their whole thing was they're, they're these Grebo rock, right? Which is like this like sort of Northern English like scum rock, basically, like just embracing how like, you know, dirty and grimy and how much beer you drank. So I was like, actually, you know, this kind of makes sense. It just sort of the guy that's still into that inherited the band and now they're back to being a Grebo band. So I'm okay. I guess I'm okay with that. So, you know, I watched that for a while. Um, but I left like sort of midway through because I wanted to go see Nitzareb at Warsaw because I've never seen Nitzareb before. And I just, you know, they're on my list and I went and it was great, but I was so tired. I got up at four. It was like 1130 and I was like, okay. So I got through like half of the set. Uh, but they saw, I saw the songs I wanted to see from Belief, which is my favorite Nitzareb album. So I was like, okay, I've done it. And I got in the car and went, home, went back to the hotel and passed out. And then this last trip, I saw my friend Flood, which was great. And then I went to this pretty interesting event, actually, on Wednesday night. It was like my friend Dave Renz and a couple other people that run service businesses did this sort of roundtable discussion about the recession, and I was so into it. And they broke us out into groups. And I had some friends there, like my friend Basker showed up, but we got broken into different groups. 
and uh it was awesome like the people in my group were super cool and there's like this woman who had made like a carbon sequestering raincoat which was really awesome <laughs> and then there's this other guy who was going on about uh you know greek finance and Giannis Varoufakis and I was like I want to tell these people I have an album where I sing both about carbon sequestration and Giannis Varoufakis but I didn't do that but we had a good talk it was awesome I couldn't stay the whole time though because I was meeting Dorothy for dinner I, so I was a little bit bummed but I mean it's great to see Dorothy that was awesome so good times in New York good times in Chatham County Jane is doing great. She had the biggest boop I've ever seen today, so congratulations on that, Jane. She is sleeping right now. She's super cute. She's wearing all red today. It's pretty funny. And she got a new trike, a uh, tricycle. Jane went to visit... Jane. Emma went to visit... Oh, my God. I'm going to do that the rest of my life, aren't I? Uh, Emma went to visit her friend Christine and Carrie, and she has some kids that are a little bit older than Jane, so we get a lot of hand downs It's really made this whole thing very affordable. And she gives this trike, and it's got, like, a little adult steering handle that you can do on the back. It looks kind of like a lawnmower. Uh, and we were having a lot of problems walking in the neighborhood with her because she was just becoming so ADD, and she'd walk off into the grass, and then I have to go get her. Then I got bit by ants and trying to get her. She didn't get bit, thankfully. So this trike has solved all those problems. Now she just rides around on this trike with his little red baby helmet on. It's so cute. It's the best. Uh, she, I mean, so, so the other thing is she's counting. Like she can count to like 11 or 12, 13 ish. She counts everything. Like the guitars get hung on the wall. She's like, one, two. She has a problem with five. She keeps skipping five. I'm trying to teach her five. She goes, one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. And, you know, I'm like, okay, she's definitely counting. And, you know, if there's two cookies in front of her, she'll say two cookie. And you take one away, she says one cookie. Like she knows what it is. She's not adding and subtracting which she's counting. And then I was reading and they're like, you know, babies don't really count till they're three. And before that, they might be able to like wrote and memorize the numbers. But I've like done all these like little experiments and she definitely knows their numbers and she's definitely counting and she's not even two. She'll be two in a month. She just turned 23 months old. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, we're not like doing some baby genius shit over here. It just sort of, you know, Janet, um, my mother-in-law definitely started, taught her to count and she knows her ABCs. She's has problems with B and P and D and Q, the ones that all look like a circle with a stick on it but uh other than that she can do all the letters too which is pretty crazy she's not like that's farther i mean she's not like trying to spell or anything and sound them out none of that's happening yet but uh right now she's just into learning the names of everything like i, I was making my soup and i was just like that's celery that's a carrot she knows carrot already and celery sink garbage disposal and she's like garbage disposal and i'm like yeah garbage disposal and i'm like bowl plate fork knife as i put away all the dishes it's so cute she's great uh she did have a big freak out at dinner yesterday though uh, she just wasn't hungry and i think it was related to the really big weird poop that she had today maybe she she just wanted out and it was really it was kind of a nightmare actually because it was like the nicest place we've ever took her it's just like nicer than usual thai restaurant it was very good though anyway all very interesting Life is good here in Chatham County. Let's talk about some music. Uh, I sold four CDs. Uh, two of them were Emma's. I sold the Batman and Robin soundtrack for Emma and the Fleetwood Mac Rumors for her. Uh, oh, and also my friend Tikva is mailing me a bunch of her CDs to sell on Discogs because I'm into it. Why not? Whatever. I'll just list them. They'll take forever. Uh, and then I sold Smashing Orange, the Glass Bead Game, which is a great record. Smashing Orange is like a very, very hard rock shoegaze band from the mid-90s when there were no shoegaze bands, and they're awesome, and I strongly recommend them and then i sadly sold my copy of idea by the bgs which i love of course i ripped it but uh man that's a great record 
And then, you know, live shows, like I said, it's uh, Chem Lab and Pop Lead itself, and then Nitzareb. Oh, there's an opener for Nitzareb. They're awesome. They had so much bass. I can't remember what they are called, but they were just, like, fantastic. It sounded like if you took a Billie Eilish song and took her vocals off and turned the bass up to the point where it hurt to listen to, it was it was great. And it really made me think about that, too. I was like, man, this is, like, popular music sounds like this now, <laughs> and these guys are opening for Nitzareb. It's pretty weird. Uh, and then uh, the Ride Show as well, which was great. And then there's this band opening called Secret of the Beehive, which I thought it was the David Sylvia album, but that's, uh, no, they're called Spirit of the Beehive, and the David Sylvia album is called Secret of the Beehive. They're good, some of their songs are a little weird, some are great, the guy looks like Jeff Tweedy, which is a little strange, and, uh, but they're solid, I was into them. And Ride were fantastic. Uh, they played, you know, the, th- the thing, the tough thing about Ride, I think their new album is really good, the, one, the first one, Weather Diaries, was okay, but, uh, you know, those first reunion shows were probably the best ride shows ever, right? I saw them all the way back. I saw them before Nowhere, and then I saw them on Nowhere, and then I saw them on Going Blank again, and then I saw them on whatever that third album is called that nobody likes, uh, <laughs> Carnival of Light. And then the first reunion, I saw two of. So, But the first reunion shows were the best because they kind of knew people don't really like Carnival of Light. They played two songs from I think they played I Don't Know Where It Comes From and Black Knight Crash. Um but you know other than that it's just like they just basically played all of nowhere with the four songs you love from going blank again and it was so good on drive blind so this time you know i would say six or seven songs of the set had been swapped out for new ones and i'm like okay this is you should do this this makes sense and they still play the one most of the ones you want to hear they play leave them all behind they played ox4 they played freaking unfamiliar black black night crash and unfamiliar that was crazy and in a different place and vapor trail and Chelsea Girl and Drive Blind and it was awesome but you know like oh and Taste oh my god Taste was so good and Seagull Seagull was awesome but they took out you know no Paralyzed no Decay and no Dreams Burned Down this time which is a bit of a bummer so you know every time you're like this is a great new song but I could be listening to Dreams Burned Down right now but you know whatever I want them to be an active band that keeps going so I'm good I'm good with them doing the new songs yeah anyway so music i listened to this week it was a bunch uh listen to the new jenny haval album practice of love it's really good and kind of weird and creepy uh, but not as creepy as the pharmacon album which is called devour which is terrifying and awesome and then i listened to the charlie xcx album charlie which i did not really like actually i would say jenny haval is almost a perfect mix of charlie xcx and pharmacon that's kind of a weird like one, two, three there. Uh, the new Bonnie Prince Billy, When We Are Inhuman, by and large, brilliant. One, one, the last song, I'm just like, oh my God, this is too long, and that's coming for me. Uh, then Thurston Moore's new triple three-hour, three-CD album called Spirit Council, which is fantastic. It's never coming out on vinyl because it's three one-hour pieces, so you can't fit it on vinyl, which is a bummer, but it is great. It's so good. <laughs> One song is about like uh, the wives of famous men who had done awesome stuff on their own. You can just tell by the title. One is about his friendship with, um, uh, I can't remember, some famous avant-garde musician that lived on Spring Street. Very close to my old apartment, actually. And then the third one is like an orchestra for like 50 guitars, which is just insane and great. I, I can't recommend it a lot strongly enough if you're into Sonic Youth and Thurston Moore. Listen to the new Yacht on the recommendation of my friend Nikki. Uh, apparently they fed a bunch of stuff into a computer and it made a bunch of AI and then they made the album out of it. And it kind of sounds like that. It's good. It's weird. It's very... Uh, uh, a little sterile, but it's kind of awesome in a way. I, I kind of liked it. It's called chain chain tripping. 
I've given the new new pornographers one listen in the Morse code of brake lights came out on Friday. So, you know, uh, it's, it's great for a new pornographer's album. I mean, there's such good melodies and harmonies and chord progressions. Um, I might be a little tired of Nico Case's voice, but, uh, it's good. It's well produced. It's clean. You know, like some of the Canadian bands get a little bit of a dirty rumble, especially early new pornographers and broken social scene, but I like it a lot. There's a new Sturgill Simpson album called Sound and Fury that is full-on rock. Somebody said on Twitter that he's full-on channeling old ZZ Top, and I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good description of it. So he's definitely moved away from the mellow country of the last album. Uh, the new Salt, S-A-U-L-T, uh, 7. I gave it one listen. It didn't really do much for me. I like that band a lot, though. I like their old albums, in the, so I'm going to give that one another shot. Uh, an old roadie of Tones on Tail took a desk console desk recording and mixed it with video of the band from the Glasgow show of May nineteen or May twenty seventh, nineteen eighty four. It's called Live at Night Moves. It's on YouTube. It's awesome. If you are a Tones on Tail fan. I strongly recommend it. Uh, I bought the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack by Junkie XL on vinyl because I was buying something else on vinyl, uh, the Lana Del Rey, and I was like, oh my God, they have this. It was in my wish list, so I just sucked it up and bought it, and it's great. I really love that soundtrack. That movie's so good. Uh, a band called L'Imperatis with an album called Matahari and it's good, it's long, but it's very interesting and kind of weird and loungy and European and a little Asian and it's it's cool, but I've only given it two listens, but I'm into it. L'Imperatis. L apostrophe imperatis. Uh, I listened to the new After Clang album, Altid Salmon, on 4AD. I really loved After Clang back when they first came out with that modern drift song. Back saw him a couple times and I liked them a lot and this album is way more sophisticated and intelligent and kind of uh, just big and sweeping and it's really good I'm into it I will give that more listens listen to the High Woman's uh, self-titled album I had put the singles in my collection back in the day I was getting them mixed up with Pistol Annie is the other country supergroup that's going on right now there are two female all female country supergroups right now which is a really good sign of times if you think about it but uh, Highway Woman album High Woman album is awesome then the Metronomy, new Metronomy album, Metronomy Forever, which is way too long, and they had put out the best songs as singles. That Salty Caramel Ice Cream song is definitely the best one on there. It's a little weird. Some of it's kind of like stoner humor, but, uh, you know, the, the, it's spotty, but the hits are good. And then just as a public service announcement, I was talking to one of my consultants at work on a conference call, and... Yeah, he had seen my Facebook post about how much FOMO I was having for not going to Massive Attack, and he mentioned Tricky, and I was like, oh yeah, I've seen Tricky a bunch, actually, and he's like, you have? And I was like, yeah, you know, that guy still makes albums, and he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, there was one like two years ago, and then so just on a lark, I looked on Spotify to get the exact year that last Tricky album came out, and it turns out there's a new Tricky single as of like last week. So it's called Makes Me Wonder. It's acoustic. He doesn't even sing on it. He might have a low rumbling backing vocal. A woman is singing on it. Uh, not his usual one. Somebody new. And uh, it's great, though. Makes me wonder. And I was like, oh, my God, does this mean there's a new Tricky album? But there's not. Apparently, it's like the true faith of his <laughs> new best of compilation, as in the one new single on a best of compilation. The true faith single, I call it. Anyway, that was the music for the week. TV, I barely watched any TV, but the night Jesse got here, her and uh, Emma have a thing where they watch a lot of, like, Project Runway and Queer Eye and stuff like that. So they watch Queer Eye and the Great British Baking Show. I had never seen either. Well, I had worked on the original Queer Eye when it launched, but... Uh, I've never, you know, I've never seen the reboot or anything like that. I didn't realize how like male therapy it was. I did not really get that. 
And it was pretty intense. There's like a therapist guy on the team now. I don't know if he's a licensed therapist, but that's clearly his role. And like the dudes, you know, especially coming after reading that uh, For the Love of Men book by Liz Plank, which I'll talk about in a second. But, you know, like how the shame men carry and how depressed so many of them are and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, this is hard to watch, man, because the guy was like really funny and fun and like cool. I mean, you know, his life was going nowhere, but, but he seemed to be enjoying it. And I kind of like thought he was like pretty zen, you know, but then he like, he's like, oh no, I'm just depressed. And I was like, oh, of course you are. We all are. That makes sense. So that was a little painful, but, uh, you know, it's, it's good. I don't think I'll watch any more of it. I could see myself watching the great British baking show again, although that's way too stressful and every episode is too long and three challenges feels like a marathon, but it's pretty intense and it makes you feel really inadequate about baking. But I felt like I was also learning some stuff, so maybe it was useful. Uh, movies. I did see some movies. Uh, first, I continued after watching the trilogy of two, three, and four of Star Trek. I was like, well, I guess I got to watch the rest of them now. So I watched the rest of the old Star Trek movies. Uh, Final Frontier, Undiscovered Country, Generations, Insurrection, and Nemesis. And here's my takeaway from watching nine Star Trek movies in a month. The good ones aren't as good as you remember, and the bad ones aren't as bad as you remember. Like, Final Frontier's not actually that bad of a movie. The effects are abysmal, and the, the, there's some problems with the edit, but you're like, well, yeah, they had budget cuts, and you're just kind of like, yeah, it's not that bad. And Nemesis is not as bad as you think it is either. I mean, especially since, you know, once now you're like, fake Picard is Tom Hardy, so you're like, no, he's actually very good, and like, it's the effects actually are really good in Nemesis. Uh, but you know, it's kind of a dumb plot and like, it's more like an episode and that's the problem Star Trek always has is their movies don't feel as, you know, big as they should compared to episodes, but it's not as bad as you remember it. And then the ones, you know, like you thought were good or I thought were good. I mean, same with generations. Generations is pretty bad. I'm not going to lie, but it's not as bad as I remembered it. Uh, and then insurrection, which I kind of think I thought of as a good one. Nah, it's not as good as you think. And, oh, I left out, uh, first contact. I watched that one too. One, two, three, four. God, I watched six in two weeks. <laughs> first contact is widely considered. I think the the best of the new next generation movies and it's good, but it's definitely got some problems. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, you know, it's, uh, my, 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 my memories of star Trek, my views on the star Trek film are more varied and mixed than I thought they were. I think the odd, even curse blessing theory is actually partly to blame for it. People think, well, this is an even number movie. It's going to be good. And it's like, nah, you know what? That doesn't really work. And then also in the theater, I watched, uh, <laughs> I watched the new Rambo movie, Last Blood. My dad watched a lot of like war movies when I was a kid. So I saw First Blood pretty much when it came out. And I've seen, I saw Rambo and, Rambo 2, Rambo 3, I saw them all. Apparently I missed one in the aughts, but uh, I basically have seen them all. And so I was like, all right, well, I got to see this last one. <laughs> Other people go see the Rocky movies and it's you know, Creed or something. But I'm like, no, I want to watch Sylvester Stallone's bad franchise. And it was terrible. I mean, it was just full on terrible. It was not good from a Rambo point of view. It didn't have a big fire explosion. It didn't have, you know, his, his pain was didn't feel quite right. Uh, it was not good as a modern film at all. It was very good as an eighties film, sort of like, you know, dark and miserable and depressing and kind of hopeless feeling. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people say it's like a MAGA narrative and I'm like, well, I guess it kind of is cause this dude's obviously a libertarian and he needs to do all this stuff for himself, except that there's also like a, a different way of looking at that, which is 
you know, in all the interviews, Stallone's like, you know, this guy loses his, his, the only thing that matters, his niece. And so he takes revenge. I'm like, yeah, except he's actually totally 100% responsible for his niece dying because he's an idiot. And he rescued her from this, you know, human trafficking cartel and who had pumped her full of uh, heroin. And rather than take her to the hospital where she can get some Narcan. He drives like six hours back to Texas from Mexico with her alive in the car, ODing next to him. And he doesn't do anything like he doesn't help her. And he knows because they point, you know, they, they had a scene where he looks at her track marks on her arm. Right. And I'm like, yeah, this is so MAGA. You're such an idiot. You don't go to an institution that could save this woman. And then you decide to blame the cartel, but it's as much your fault as it is the cartel's fault. And that made me really mad. Also, I went at like 11 a.m. on a Friday. <laughs> and well, because, you know, we took the climate uh, we strike. We did the climate strike at Time Hop. And so it was like me and a bunch of obviously Vietnam vets, like 10 of them. And they're all like weeping at the end because there's a whole montage across all the Rambo films at the end. And I was just like, whoa, man, that generation's got some problems. <laughs> Uh, and then the next day I went and saw Ad Astra, which I had incredibly high hopes for. It was a very good film, but it was nowhere near as good as I wanted it to be, mainly because there were some very questionable plot choices. Some of them were, you know, intentionally vague, which is fine. Em and I recognize we have a little bit of OCD about plot and we want everything clear. But uh, more like the detours on the plot, like it's sort of like have these, it's, it is essentially a hero's journey, but like there's pointless peril along the way of the hero's journey. And I'm like, what? Why did that even need to be there? And why did that need to be there? Just get him to the, the heroes, get him on his journey, you know? So that was a little weird, but it was good. It's beautiful and very well acted and he does a very good job. And I enjoyed the cameos from people like uh, Natasha Leone and uh, what's her name? from Preacher Ruth Nega yeah that's it Ruth Nega she's awesome she's a great actress she needs bigger roles uh, anyway so I enjoyed them a lot the cameos are great it's beautiful I would see it again well you know, it's hard to see those again the slow moving cerebral sci-fi interstellar Blade Runner 2049 they're hard to rewatch uh, they're hard to watch at home. That's why I go to them in the cinema. I want to be undivided attention and really absorb it. I would watch that Astro again in the theater. Nothing came out this week. Uh, and so then, you know, next week's the Joker. I'm going to go. Hopefully I don't get shot up. I'll see it first thing in the morning. I figure, you know, uh, incel type mass shooters don't like to get up at 9 a.m. So hopefully they won't be at the first showing. Ugh, I have really mixed feelings about that, but I'm going to watch it. We will talk about that later, though. Books, uh, I finished For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity by Liz Plank. Talked about it last time. It was very good. When I last left off in the book, I was in kind of like what I think was probably the weakest chapter around chivalry and things like that. And I was a little bit wonder worried it was going to go off the rails, but it did not. In fact, it got amazing. There's a chapter that was kind of revelatory for me around shame in men that I think I subconsciously have known forever, but I didn't really think about it in that way. And she did a very good job with that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I feel this. And uh, let me tell you, finishing that book and then going to see Rambo, you want to see toxic masculinity in action, go watch Rambo Last Blood after reading for the love of men, man. <laughs> uh, so now I'm reading These Truths by Jill Lepore, which is a history of the United States, or sort of revised modern history of the United States, and it is fantastic. It's 800 pages, though. I'm about half done. So it's going to be a while, but it is just, oh my God. I, I don't know when the last time you read a history of the United States is, but if you haven't read one since school, I strongly recommend it. It is very good. I'm super, super absorbed in it. And then I got a bunch of other women's books lined up. I'm very excited about 
I was struggling for a while there, but it was stupid brain block for the things I was that were on my bookshelf, and I've just I've I've turned a corner. I've got like five lined up. Uh, so. One is called Private Government, How the Employers Rule Our Lives and Why We Don't Talk About It by Elizabeth Anderson. Uh, I had a friend named Elizabeth Anderson in high school. I assume it's not her. She just won the MacArthur, one of the MacArthur Genius Grants. I, every year when those come out, I look at all the names and I know like two of them. And I'm like, my God, I really try to be super widely read and, you know, uh, diverse in my, in my reading sources and all that. And I've only, there's like 30 of them and I've only ever heard of two. So this is, she was one of them I hadn't heard of and somebody said this was a great book. So I was like, okay, sold. Uh, and then Kim Krizan, who is from Austin, Texas, and we share a mutual friend. I never got to meet her, though. She was one of the co-writers of the first Before Sunset movie, Before Sunrise. Yeah, Before Sunrise. Uh, she's also sort of has my dream job of being one of the researcher academics that has access to Anais Nin's journals, the originals at UCLA. And she has been doing pretty stellar sort of papers about Anais's journals in uh, the academic journal about Anais Nin, which I subscribe to. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little obsessed. Uh, you know, in my, like, I, I own a facsimile of the first, like, 15 volumes of the journal with handwritten notes on it by Anais Nin and her editor, Gunther Stallman, when they were preparing uh, Henry and June in Fire and Incest, the first three volumes. But, you know, the, uh, the last two volumes, I think, came out since I've been doing this podcast, or maybe not right before. Uh, they're up to, like, the 40s or, no, they're up to, like, the 60s now. But, you know, she didn't die till the 70s, so there's still more, and, like, they, they are edited. So, uh, she has a new book about Anais Nin called Spy in the House of Anais Nin, which I assume is about her uh, access to the journals, and I'm very, very excited about it. Her articles have been fantastic in the Anais Nin Academic Journal, so I'm very excited about that. And then Naomi Klein has a new book, On Fire, The Burning Case for the Green New Deal. Uh, as you may recall, I read her last book, This Changes Everything, which is an environmental book, but it was a couple years old, so it's good. I think this will be a good update to that. Uh, Emma bought another baby book, Prepared, What Kids Need for a Fulfilled Life by Diane Tavener. So I've got all of those lined up. Uh, I'm pretty excited. And then Noah has two for me after that. And I need to finish all these by January because the new William Gibson sequel to The Peripheral comes out in January called Agency. The bastard stole my title name, but I forgive him. Uh, so I'm going to try and plow through all these. But yeah, so it's exciting. I'm excited. These are all going to be great books. Oh, and then there's one more. The... Um, surveillance book what is that called the age of surveillance capitalism the fight for the human future and the new frontier of power by shoshana zuboff that's a long one too that's like 800 pages i bought that one back in august so i will get that one done too i'm excited i'm excited work is going great i mean it's it's good it's intense it's been a lot going on we sold well, you know, we got a letter of intent with a very, very large client. We're very excited about that. We've been radically improving the offering for our other clients. We've got like job openings. If you know anyone that wants to work with us at Time Hop and Nimbus, we have an account opening. We have a back engine, back end engineer opening, and we have a solutions engineer opening. We're going to do a couple more soon. Revenue's been great, uh, but there's just a lot going on. We're adding a big new demand partner that we've wanted for a long time. That's very excited. We got in to start talking to another big new demand partner there's like two or three left that we really want we have like 40 demand partners in nimbus but we can always use more so that's pretty exciting we got a new hire who is starting next week i think that's pretty cool relocated from north carolina actually he wasn't in my neighborhood though he was he was over by charlotte 
revenue's going great. Uh, now we are finalizing in October, November, we'll be finalizing our CCPA implementation for California. It's not going to be hard for us because we have the GDPR implementation in Europe already. So it's pretty similar. It is a little bit different though. So we need to do a few more things for it. So we'll be doing that. Um, Nimbus is already CCPA and GDPR compliant. We are not a data play. We don't do anything with the data. We just operate under a DPA data protection agreement where the client does what they want with the data. You know, they, they are in charge of their data. We can't do anything with it. So I'm actually looking forward to those, that law January coming in and then March when the implementation or the enforcement period starts, because I think we'll be in a very good place because I think a lot of our competitors do some shady stuff with data that we won't be doing. So that'll be kind of interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Other tech stuff. There's of course the imploding WeWork IPO and Adam lost his job, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> that sounds mean, but you know, that company needed to be cleaned up and it looks like it's starting to happen. That's pretty good. There is something at the bottom of WeWork. I don't, I'm not like the full bear case for WeWork. Like, I, you know, people work there and they like it. And, and, uh, you know, when we were about to renew our lease, I was like, we should go to like a WeWork thing. And I got all the costs for like full office and it was expensive compared to rent, but that's only because we had already remodeled the place and we already had all the furniture and we already had all the contracts with the, like the internet people. If we didn't have any of that, I would not have like signed a lease. I just would have just gotten a 20 person spot at WeWork. You know what I mean? Like it is definitely making real estate better, but it, the company's just a mess and it is very excited to see them getting cleaned up. Uh, then also the CEO of eBay seems to have stepped down, which is kind of a bummer. I don't really know what eBay should do. I love eBay. I feel very fond towards eBay, but uh, it's hard for it to grow because Amazon's just killed it on the sort of marketplace stuff, and, which is not, I never cared about that with eBay. I care about the collectible stuff. I just bought something on eBay last week, but that's not what shareholders want. You know what I mean? They want growth, 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 growth. So that guy's like kind of in trouble. Well, he's gone. So uh, we'll see what happens with eBay. Uh, the Peloton IPO tanked, which I think is kind of BS. I actually think I don't like want to get on a Peloton. Don't get me wrong, but people love it. It's a great product. It's very high margins. It's like amazing. And uh, I think that was very much a case of IPO ripoff where the IPO is priced too high. So a lot of people could take profits and then the company gets screwed on it. So that's kind of BS. Uh, but you know, I, I would almost I might buy some Peloton stock now that it's low. I kind of, I'm kind of, it's weird. I, I don't really even use it, but I think it makes sense. It's a good product. Uh, and then, you know, just SoftBank in general, man, God, like tech is getting harder and harder to like work in where people like SoftBank and Amazon and Facebook aren't predatory and just sort of like take your whole market. And that stuff is stressful and I don't like it. And I, it makes me not want to work in tech anymore. Uh, I'll just say that. Anyway, moving on to projects. Uh, my album is basically done. I got three or four people who are going to help me do some guesting on it. That They're all in the works right now. Some vocals. I got Emma to re-sing on one song yesterday, last weekend. That's very exciting. It sounds pretty good. And uh, the funniest thing. So I was talking to my friend Conrad, and he was like picking out a guy to help me mix it. But instead, what I did is I emailed the dude who I watched all his YouTube videos. <laughs> this sounds crazy, I realize, but hear me out. Uh, I watched like a hundred hours of YouTube tutorials on logic and they were so good and he had such deep knowledge of it that I was so impressed and I, 
I realized so it kind of made me start making me nervous about getting somebody else to mix the album because like I've used too many obscure tricks in logic. And then I was like, well, what if this guy that like I'm thinking of using doesn't know how to use logic and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh wait, I bet that dude that I made all those videos actually does mixing work. Also like it's pretty mixed. It's pretty decent. Like I could release it now and I wouldn't even feel that embarrassed. So it's like really more like compression and EQ and like stuff that's like very, you know, not turnkey, but like, you know, less creative and more just mixing so i was like i'm gonna use this guy i'm gonna do it so i gave myself a deadline of october 15th to send it to him pass that deadline along to all the people that are guesting design myself a little album cover uh, I, I think i like it uh i felt like it looked like another album and i went through like six thousand album covers and i was like no i think i think it looks unique so i'm getting there i'm getting there it's almost done i'm excited so it's 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 a good time synergy uh anyway hope you guys have a lovely weekend enjoying the the autumn have a good time thanks for listening uh drop a line and i'll, I'll talk to you guys soon take care